It's good to see you tonight. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, before we go uh, into the new uh, part of the message, I want us to kind of recap where, we, where we've come from as we've been in this series called Pathway uh, to Peace. Uh, who remembers what book of the Bible we are in? What book of the Bible are we in? Philippians, good. All right, and so the first week, as we went through Philippians chapter 1, uh, Paul talked to us about our need to live what? There's free Chick-fil-A on the line. Live what? No. Something different. What? No. No. Live for Christ, right? Chapter 2 was what? To live. Yeah, here you go. Come get something. There you go. You're just a week off. All right, so chapter 2, Paul shifted gears a little bit and, and talked to us about what it means to live like Christ and have the same attitude that Christ has. And what did we talk about last week in chapter 3? That we need to what? Yeah. Uh, you weren't raising your hand? What? Yeah, we need to know Christ. Good job. Paying attention. All right. So this week, we are going to continue uh, our study called Pathway to Peace by finishing up in Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to warn you, we're going to do a little bit of a math problem tonight. All right, because here in chapter 4, Paul's going to give us, really in two verses, right? Uh, we're really going to look at verses 6 and 7 tonight, and Paul's going to give us a formula for finding peace. And so if you have your Bible, have the Bible app, go ahead and go to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, there's some names in here I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm just going to skip them, uh, but you can read them on the screen because I don't want to embarrass myself and not know how to say them. But here we go, chapter 4 of the book of Philippians. Here's what Paul is saying. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive from my work. Now I appeal to you, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. 
I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Ephrodotius. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Jesus Christ. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so here, uh, the same narrative is still occurring from the, when we were in the beginning of Philippians in chapter 1. Paul still here is in Rome. He's in prison, still very uncertain about what his future holds. And just like he has uh, in Philippians 1, 2, and 3, Paul here just displays this really profound peace that he has. Right? Even as we look through the end of Philippians 4, here he is saying that he has nothing, but he's content with nothing. Right? And so we see as we walk through this that Paul has peace. But I want to point back to your attention, verses 6 through 7, and we're going to put these back on the screen for you. And I want you to catch here the exact formula that Paul gives us to finding peace. And then we're going to walk through this together. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as long as you live in Christ Jesus. And so as we look at this, the very first thing that we see Paul says is, if we want to find peace, we have to be anxious, nothing. All right, that's the first part of our equation here is anxious, nothing. If you're, if you're taking notes, the equation is there at the top of your sheet for you. Anxious, nothing. Now, I don't think uh, anxiety is a word that you're unfamiliar with. I don't think it's a topic that you have no idea what it is. Uh, if I had to guess, most of you in this room have probably experienced anxiety in some way, shape, or form, whether it be stressing out about a test or, or really just having a lot of anxiety just throughout your life. And, and maybe you've gone and talked to a counselor because your anxiety has just been uh, really strong. But anxiety is something uh, that is simply defined as a, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. And so I think we can all identify with that. I think we can all identify with having felt anxious or worried or uneasy about something at some point or time. In fact, if you look at it, I think the statistic is that roughly 30% of young people struggle with anxiety at some point in their life. And then roughly 18% of adults experience anxiety as well. So anxiety is something that generationally is getting more and more of a problem. But as we look at anxiety, we see that anxiety simply, if we were to redefine it, anxiety is the opposite of peace. Right? Anxiety is the opposite of peace. And we're coming out of a time in our world where anxiety is at an all-time high. As they've been studying anxiety levels uh, with middle school and high schoolers, man, it's ridiculous how much anxiety you guys are feeling right now coming out of COVID. But not just with uh, Gen Z or, 
or, or students, but also just with adults, right? Anxiety just across the world right now is at an all-time high. And I think that as we look at it, the, the reason we see these anxiety levels going up is because we are a people who desire control, right? We desire control in our lives. We desire routine in our lives. And the one thing that COVID has taken from us is our control and our routines, right? And no one has the same routine anymore, right? Your routine has shifted. Even if you're doing the same things, the way you're doing those things has likely shifted in all likelihood. And you've lost that sense of control over the things that you had control of in the beginning. And so typically when we lose our routine, when we lose our control, anxiety follows because we become worried, we become anxious, we don't feel secure in what we're doing anymore. But anxiety is the opposite of peace. But Paul says that if we want to have peace, we have to be anxious about nothing. Anxious about nothing. Now I want to walk through something with you, right? So we said that anxiety is the absence of peace, but I want you to walk through these things with me. Go ahead and put up the next slide, Sophie. I want you to fill in the blank for me, all right? What is the opposite of these things? And we'll go one by one. The opposite of light is what? Dark, okay? The opposite of open is what? Closed, good. The opposite of high is low. The opposite of wet is dry, happy. I put mad, but yes, sad would work too. And the opposite of peace is what? Anxiety. The opposite of peace is anxiety. And that is because anxiety is the absence of peace. Anxiety is the absence of peace. Now, you may remember last week when I had that rope up here, right? You remember the rope? And part of the rope, just a, a real small part, was uh, colored red to, to symbolize your life here on earth, right? And the rest, the, the rest of the white rope was to signify your, your eternity, whichever eternity you're living in, right? We talked about there's two, two realities that you can live in eternally, right? And it all depends on your focus, right? But what we didn't talk about is where our focus is a lot of times that will determine if we're finding peace or not, right? And we talked about that if we're finding, uh, if our focus is only on our earthly life, right? That affects our eternity, but it's also going to affect your peace, because if we are so consumed by the things going on around us and we're so consumed about our earthly life and the things that we think we have control over, then it's never going to stop. You're never going to find that peace. And that's what Paul here in chapter 4 is saying is, look, my focus is on God, right? In Philippians 4, uh, I think it's, let's see, 4, uh, give me a second, I'm going to find this verse. 4.13, iconic verse in Philippians 4 that he can do all things through Christ, right? What Paul here is saying is that he can have peace because his focus is on Christ. Okay, if your focus is on the world, you cannot find peace. And we talked about this back in August. If you remember, we were going through a series called Life in Limbo, right? Right as we were coming back in person, right as y'all are about to start school back in COVID and, and things just looked a lot different even than they do now. And we talked about that this world produces chaos, right? This is a sinful world. 
right? Because God is the, the, or Christ is the Prince of Peace, right? And Christ was perfect. Christ was without sin. And so naturally a sinful world is going to be the opposite of the Prince of Peace, right? Which the opposite of peace is what? Anxiety. anxiety. Good job. The opposite of peace is anxiety. And so if Christ, a sinless Christ, produces peace, then a sinful world produces anxiety. So where is your focus? Because where your focus is going to determine your ability to find peace. Where you are focused will determine your ability to find peace. Okay, so, so Paul says that if you want to find peace, worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. But what are we to do instead of that? And Paul gives us a very clear answer. He says, instead, what? He says, instead, pray about everything. So you've got anxious nothing. And then the second part is prayerful everything. Anxious nothing, prayerful everything. Paul here essentially is saying, hey, instead of worrying about everything, pray. Pray. Pray about everything. Don't worry. Pray. Don't worry. Pray. You know, we, we've hit this verse uh, a lot as we've gone through the last four weeks of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's about to go to the cross. And you can find this in Luke chapter 22. But as Jesus is about to go to the cross, what does he do? Right, Jesus is, is worried, right? Jesus is showing that, hey, he's, he's concerned about the next moments of his life that he's going to have to walk through. And instead of going and talking to his, the disciples, his buddies, and, and venting to them and saying, hey, I'm so stressed. Or going and talking to Mary and Joseph, his parents, and saying, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm stressed. I'm worried. What does he do? He, he goes and takes a moment by himself to talk with God. Right? Jesus removes himself from the stressful situation and sits down and talks with God, has an honest conversation. And says, Look, I'm stressed. I'm worried. I've got anxiety right now about what's going to happen. And if there is any other way around this, then let that happen. But ultimately, I want your will but he talks with God let me ask you a question when, when you get nervous or you get anxious or you get stressed and worried what do you do what is your typical response is your typical response to go shut yourself in your room and and, and just block everyone out is it to go and just vent to your friends that's I mean that's a lot of times what I'll do if I get nervous about something I typically just want to talk it out with somebody right I want to find someone who will just listen to to me that I'm close to who can give me good advice, and I just want to talk it out with them. But a lot of times what I find is while in that moment I may, might feel better coming out of that, the anxiety doesn't go away. And what I could be, what I realize that I could be doing better is instead of just going and talking to people, I could be going and talking to God. I could be praying about everything that I'm feeling anxious about, everything that I'm walking through. And now, understand, it's not wrong for you to talk to friends or talk to your parents or, or, or talk to a mentor. But understand that, again, if you want to receive peace, you need to talk to God through prayer. And Paul, as he says to pray about everything, he follows that up and he says, tell God 
what you need. Right, so Paul doesn't just say pray about everything. He says pray about everything and tell God everything that you need. Right, he says tell God everything that you need. Now, I've pointed out this difference a lot in the past. But I think it's a point that is worth repeating over and over and over again. That, that Paul here says, tell God what you need, not what you want. Right? You've, you've heard me say this before. Paul here says to tell God what you need, not what you want. And Paul here saw God as, for who he was. Right? Paul saw God as the provider. Paul saw God as the provider. And Jesus saw him this way too. Jesus saw God the Father as the provider as well. And, and as Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, he teaches him the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, he says, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Now, is he saying go to Publix and get uh, the freshest baguette or French bread loaf? No, I don't think that's what he's saying. Right, but what Jesus here is saying is that God will give you each and every day exactly what you need. Exactly what you need. Now, it doesn't say give us what we want. It says that he will give us what we need. And that prayer is not a prayer for excess. It's a prayer for basic needs. Right? Nowhere in scripture does God just say, hey, you're going to just be abundant. I just have abundance and abundance and abundance. Right? He doesn't just promise that for everyone. But what he does promise for everyone is that he will give you exactly what you need for each and every day to get through that day. And that he will provide for your needs. You know, I, I think a lot of times people really struggle with presenting their needs to God and praying to God about everything and telling him what they need because they, they've gone and presented their wants to God. Right? When we go and we present our wants and our desires to God and God doesn't always give us our wants and desires, then what do we do? Let me ask it to you a different way. When you go, let's say you want to go do something and you go and ask your dad and say, hey, can I go to the commons? And your dad says no. What do, what do a lot of, maybe it's not you, but what do a lot of teenagers do immediately following that? They go, and if you're like me, a lot of times, if I got no from one parent, I'd follow it up and I'd go ask the other parent trying to get a different answer. Because then what I've created is I've put them against each other, right? And one parent has now said yes, and I can use that as leverage. And say, well, why do you have a problem with it if they don't, right? And so when we don't like the answer that we get, we go and we seek another source that will say yes. And so here's what a lot of people do. Instead of realizing that God is a God who provides their needs, they go and present their wants. And when God says no to the things they want, they turn to the world. They turn to the world. And, and here's the thing is, the world says yes to everything. The world doesn't want to say no to you. The world wants to draw you in because the world is all selfish and all about just dragging you into sin. And that's what you don't see. Is it's deceitful. And that's, that's how Satan works, right? Look, look back to the Garden of Eden, right? What happened there? Adam and Eve were desiring something that God had said no to. And what did Satan come along and say? Oh, you can have it. So go for it. 
And then the consequences came after that. And that's exactly the same dynamic that we see between us and God and us and the world is when we go to God and God says, no, that's not what's best for you. What you're desiring or what you want isn't what's best for you. We turn to the world and the world says, go for it. Go for it. Why not? You can have whatever you want. And then if the world is always saying yes, why would we ever turn back and present our needs to God? And so a lot of times we get in these habits because we don't understand that. And we don't like hearing the word no. And we need to become more accustomed to just being okay and trusting God and knowing that he does have a good plan for you. And that he does want what's best for you. And when he says no, understanding that he's not saying no to be a jerk. He's not saying no because he doesn't want you to be happy. He's saying no because he understands things that you don't understand. And that's what Paul says here in Philippians 4 is the peace that God gives goes beyond anything that we can understand. Right? If we want the peace that Christ offers, we have to be willing to be in a position where we don't always understand, where we don't always get the answer to why. When God says no, we have to give up our right to say, well, why? Why not? And we just have to trust that he is a good God. But we have to recognize God as the provider. We have to recognize that God will provide for our needs and give us exactly what we need, but not always what we want. So then what? So we've got anxious nothing, prayerful everything. Then what does Paul say? Here's what Paul says. Thank him for all he has done. So anxious nothing, prayerful everything, thankful anything. Anxious nothing, prayerful everything, thankful anything. So Paul here says that the the final step is giving thanks to God. I just want, I I think as we look at this, it, it really makes a lot of sense that this is the last step or that this is just a step, period. Right, think about it, like when, when you're content with something, you find peace. Right, when you are content, when, when you don't desire anything else, when you feel like you've got everything that you need, and you're just sitting in a position of thankfulness, where you're just content, then you're at peace. Content people are at peace. But on the flip side of that, when we don't feel content, we get anxious, we get worried, right? We, we start looking for the next thing to fulfill our need, right? To, to make us feel content. But I want you to look at what Paul says here, right? He doesn't just say thankful for, what, for something, right? He doesn't say thankful for what you wanted. He says thankful what? Anything. Thankful anything. Now think about that for a minute. Think about what that means to be thankful for anything. And ask yourself, do you do a good job of being thankful for anything or are you only thankful for what you want? Are you thankful for anything or are you only thankful for what you want? If someone gives you what you don't want, are you still thankful? 
Or do you put on a fake smile and say, oh, thanks. And then once you get behind closed doors, you're like, man, that sucked. (laughs) I would reckon to say a lot of us probably fall in that second category where we really struggle with being thankful for anything. But in essence, what Paul here is saying is if God gives you what you want, great, give thanks. But if God doesn't give you what you want and gives you something different than what you wanted, then give thanks. Because if you are not willing to give thanks, you will not be content. And if you are not content, you will not find peace. And again, as we look at where our focus is, if our focus is on the world, then our focus is on a culture and a society that says, you get what you want, you deserve what you want, and you don't stop till you get what you want. And so when we are focused on that type of a culture and that type of a society that just pushes self-fulfillment everywhere you look, then it's hard to be content because we're always looking for the next fix. You're always looking for the next fix. And we never are, we're, we're never truly sad. There's no wonder that anxiety rates in this country are going through the roof when all we do is push self-fulfillment and doing what you want. And doing what you want only breeds anxiety. It doesn't give you peace. It won't ever give you peace. It'll make you think you're walking down the pathway to peace. But you'll be deceived. And you'll be trapped in anxiety. Paul here is saying the key is to be thankful for anything that God gives you. I think another thing that we struggle with is when we do receive something, our our instinct isn't just to say, thank you for giving me this. Our instinct is to go, okay, I've got this. Now what does my friend have? How does it compare to my friends? Oh, my, my house isn't as big as their house, or my car isn't as nice as their car, or my shoes aren't as nice as their shoes. Okay, well, you still have shoes, you still have clothes, you still have a house, a roof over your head, but you're not thankful because you're, you're comparing, right? You're not content. You're not thankful for anything. You, you, you might be thankful that, yeah, you do have the roof, but you're not thankful for what you've got. You, you, you think you'd be more thankful if you had what they had. And so Paul here is saying that we have to be thankful for anything. And it ends with stop, stop being jealous and just be thankful. And so when we add all of these things up, right, anxious nothing, prayerful everything, thankful anything, then what do you get? You get peace. You get peace. When you add these three things up, then you will find the peace that Christ offers us. And and it boils down to this of stop worrying, right? Stop worrying, trust God and ask him for what you need and be thankful for what he gives you. Stop worrying. Trust God and ask him for what you need, not necessarily what you want, and be thankful for anything that he gives you, and then you'll find peace. It's really that simple. It's really that simple, just a three-step process to finding peace. 
But it's a whole lot harder to live that out than it is to just sit here and talk about it. But as we've talked over the last three weeks of living for Christ, living like Christ and knowing Christ, when you're living for the Prince of Peace, when you're modeling the Prince of Peace and you know the Prince of Peace, then these things are going to come naturally to you. When you're living for Christ and living like Christ and you know Christ and have that relationship with him, then it's not hard for you to trust God. It's not hard for you to present God with your needs and it's not hard to give him thanks no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. So I just want to encourage you that as you walk through each day, just be thankful. But if you find yourself in a position where you're worried or stressed, maybe it's as simple as before a test and you're worried about taking the test, just take a second and pray. Take a second and pray and just ask God to give you his peace. Ask God to, to give you the knowledge that you need for that test. But live for Christ, live like Christ, know Christ, and trust Christ. But at the end of the day, all of these, as we've said all along, they revolve around us giving up our control. Us giving up our control and us trusting in God. And so all in all, if you want to find peace, you've got to surrender to Christ. You've got to surrender to Christ and you have to know the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you for the relationship that we're able to have with you. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who, who cares deeply about us. We thank you that you're a God who, when we, when we do find ourselves in a position where we're worried, we're anxious, we're stressed, Lord, that you're a God who, who wants to talk it through with us. That you're a God who wants to provide for us. We thank you that you are a God who does provide for us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we walk through each day, Lord, to be anxious in nothing, to be prayerful in everything and thankful for anything. Lord, as we practice those things, Lord, we pray that you would just comfort us with your peace. Lord, I thank you for these students. I thank you for the love and the plans that you have for them. Lord, I pray that you just make it clear to them the purpose that you have for them, the ways that you love them. Lord, if anyone's sitting here unsure of your love, unsure of whether or not you are a God who will provide for their needs, Lord, I pray that you would make that so clear to them that you are. Lord, I pray that they would come to know you and trust you and walk with you, that they wouldn't be afraid to, to live for you and live like you. all these things.